Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Paddock and the Pavilion with me, Stephen Wallace. You are in for a treat today. At the end of September, I caught up with Jenny Thompson of her World Cricket Tour before she embarked on her then next cricketing trip to Mexico. Jenny was previously on the podcast in April when she joined us to talk about what it was like to play against a World Eleven at Fairbreak in Hong Kong. In this podcast, split into two parts, the former Cheshire County player who represented England at under-17 level answers 10 for Jen about her tour, as well as chatting about some of the incredible stories she has experienced during her tour, which is still going. Jenny is currently in South America, where she will soon be meeting up with one of our regular guests, Roberta Moretti Avery in Brazil. Find out the hottest place she has played, her funniest moment, and the European country where you need to go to fix your fast bowling. Enjoy almost 50 minutes with Jenny and feel part of her quest to discover where women's cricket is played across the globe. Capture the passion for cricket with Jenny. There really is no one more enthusiastic about the game than her. Part two coming soon. And at the weekend, you will hear Frankie's Farewell, a podcast to celebrate Frankie Dettori's British Farewell at Ascot on Champions Day. Hello, Jenny. Welcome back to the Paddock and the Pavilion. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me again. It seems a while since we spoke back in April. A lot has happened since on your Her World Cricket Tour. Can you believe it's nearly October? No, I don't know what year it is. I, I bet you can't with all the uh, the countries you've been to. On this podcast, I'm going to ask you some questions. Uh, there's going to be a series called 10, 10 for Jen. And I'm also going to have some stories where you're going to pick a number. And we're also going to talk about women's cricket, how the tour has been for you uh, and the future. But to start with, let's go with this 10 for Jen. On what date did you begin her world cricket tour? First of April this year. Well, that's a good that's a good day to start because that's my birthday as well. Happy birthday. That's the first. Anyway, second question. What's your best score with the bat on the tour? On the tour, I've had yeah. a few 49 not out, can you believe? But no 50s? Not yet. I think I must just be too slow because I've been opening the batting in 2020. So, you know, that's on me. Your best bowling analysis? Oh, goodness. Um, I can't really think, but I think maybe at one point I may have taken two wickets in one match, which is uh, pretty rare these days. So. That's about it. But you've got over your bowling problems now. You 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 run ups all smooth and everything. Um, 
Um, yes, yes. Um, my bowling problem was actually the yips, which I've had for the last two seasons since I came back playing. And then a long-term problem I've had has been my follow-through or lack of, which is kind of annoying because if you break it down in the coaching perspective of having five parts to your bowling action, I would say my first four are very technically sound. And then the follow-through is just completely absent. So it's a, it's a little bit of a dichotomy. But I, of all places, I got it fixed in Norway. There was a clinic on fast bowling when I was there for girls and women. And it was delivered by the opening bowler for Norway men, Vinne. And he just told me what I was doing wrong, which was um, not collapsing my front shoulder um, and allowing the momentum to run through. I was just sort of staying upright and stopping, which is it's not technically good and it's probably physically dangerous as well. So Norway's the place to fix your bowling then? Norway's the place to fix your bowling and also the time and the place to try something entirely new I played a tournament there and we were short a wicketkeeper I've never kept in my entire life and I loved it I absolutely loved it I was um, joint wicketkeeper of the tournament I did a runner I did a catch and it was so fun just being involved every single ball and I thought, oh, if you could wind back the clock, maybe I would get into that. I don't know, because then I love bowling as well. So, But it was really, really good. And I always think, you know, I, I don't know how I've like not done that in my whole time. But now I have. And it, it just reminded me how good it is to um, try different things and try as many things. Because maybe I'll never keep again. But now I have that perspective and empathy for the keeper. You know, which is always good to see things from different points of view. A good lesson for any young cricketer just starting, though. Try everything. For any young cricketer starting and any old cricketer like me carrying on, just keep going. Try everything. Talking about keep going, what's the hottest place you've played on your tour? Um, Well, the most humid place was Singapore, which was 96 degrees humidity. The hottest felt like the Philippines that was super hot and actually while I was over in um Norway again they'd been having they'd been having such a hot spell there was um, a hose pipe ban and the, all the ground was really scorched and it was pretty hot we had to you know keep our fluids up that day and again you know wasn't expecting that one in Norway and I think sometimes they're they're, they're almost harder to adapt because mentally you're not you're not as prepared. I mean, at this point in the tour, I should just be prepared for anything. And in some ways, I am. But uh, that was pretty hot. But to be honest, I've been I've been quite lucky with everything in terms of I've not lost an over to rain yet, which is extraordinary. Um, just dodging the showers before or after a match, or the day before, the day after. And to the point where I've just given up looking at weather forecasts because I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm playing. So somehow we'll get a match. And this is someone who comes from near Manchester. Exactly. I've played three matches in the northwest of England. And I will say one match for the MCC was completely washed out. That was on a Thursday. We were supposed to play up in Lancashire. However, I managed to play in the Friday match, which was against my native county, Cheshire, because I used to play for both Lancashire and Cheshire. But Cheshire is my heart, and I played against my old team, and it was far much, um, much I don't know, I just, I just much uh, preferred it. So then, even though that whole day was washed out, it worked out better. So I'm claiming that as, you know, still favourable weather conditions. Right. Next question. We're off the subject of temperature here. Who is the youngest player you've played against? Um, well, I didn't play against her, but I want to tell you about this 11-year-old. From Belgium. Belgium. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you know her already. Yeah, I thought you might say um, that. I'm all, I'm all keyed up for it. 
Robin Ryder. She's um, just this brilliant, she's a brilliant talent. She's um, an opening bowler. She's got a very, very lovely fluid action. And in her first match against Luxembourg, she got a hat trick. And I went to meet her and the rest of the Belgian women. And I said to everyone here, who's got a hat trick ever? Nobody had. She's already done it. She's 11 years old. Maybe she'll never do it again, but it doesn't matter because uh, she's, it was just a great story. And in fact, it was one of the Luxembourg parents, Adrian, uh, the parent of Liddy Wicks Templeman, who plays for Luxembourg and France, who messaged me to tell me his excitement. He said, Oh, this girl here, she's only 11. She's got a hat trick. I said, I'm coming to Belgium next week. So hopefully I'll get to meet her. And she's, yeah, she she was a great, great story. But to be honest, everybody looks young who I'm playing against these days. <laughs> what about the, the, who's the oldest person you've played against? Um, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't play against her, but I understand there's um, a 68-year-old still playing regularly in Kampong Cricket Club in the Netherlands. Um, I think she's she's a wicket keeper. There's lots of wicket keepers who are still doing their squats into their 60s and 70s, which is uh, probably why they're you know still athletic and still doing well because they're still using it. So you know that's that is one thing that I constantly get reminded about in cricket going around is that cricket's for everyone, all ages, all body shapes all personalities there's some and you know there's something for everybody in cricket you always have a laugh as well that's the main thing i can see you as a wicket keeper you also mentioned <laughs> you mentioned on your instagram and facebook playing with your nana who's 94 nana i know um now she was more of a rounders person at school and netball but the thing with my nana is she's just got more drive than anybody. Uh, imagine I wonder where you get it from. Me, then, yeah. Is that where you get it from? Well, I was going to say, imagine me to the power of 10, and that's my mum, and then my mum to the power of 10, and that's uh, my nana. So I went to visit her, and I said, come on, nana, we'll just play some cricket. Because the other year, we had my niece and nephew, and myself, and my brother, and my dad, and my mum, and my nana are all playing cricket in the park. So we had four generations. It was really lovely. And I was like, come on, nana, I want to see your shots. And um, I've got quite a heavy bat as it is. And she was, she could barely lift it, really. But she didn't let it stop her. And she was, you know, playing some lovely drives. And, of course, I had a few friends pitching in underneath going, yeah, nana, nana's better than you. And, well, she is. I can't, I can't disagree. So she, the thing with Nana is she says you just have to have fun every day and keep going. You have to laugh. That's that's her thing. And, you know, an attitude like that just gets you through life. And, you know, she it's a shame really that she never got the opportunity to play cricket because she's got the perfect personality for it. And she's 94. Well, she's 95 now, yeah. She turned, yeah, she turned 95 a week or so later. So, yeah, she's 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 a force. She's so good. She still lives independently as well. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Number seven, number seven, the most inspiring player you have come across. And there must be so many. On the tour or yeah. ever? On the tour, or... on the tour, yeah. Okay. Well, actually, actually, I can say I played with her on the tour and I know her from old times so Claire Taylor batting Claire Taylor with an eye not Romper although I did see Romper in Ireland she was working for the ICC at um, an uh, Ireland Australia women um, but no Claire Taylor I mean I was playing for the MCC this was the match in Cheshire at Chester Borton Hall and it was the club's 150th anniversary. So they had both the women and the men. And I have to mention this, that the women 
were put on the top pitch and it proved a great and there was no fanfare made about it either which I enjoyed but it's interesting to talk about because you know there's no way this would have happened 10 20 years ago women were on the top pitch and um it, it proved a brilliant decision the men's match was quite one-sided whereas we had um ours went to the last over we had Claire Taylor we had Laura McLeod we had Tina Goff um some other really good players and me <laughs> and um I got to bat with Claire Taylor and to me it was like my own mini world cup because I was at very close quarters witnessing in a way but also being part of her masterminding this chase and um she's so impressive and then by the end of the match I, I was out but by the end of the match it was lovely to be surrounded by all these other people all the men who'd finished their match just watching this out and out class of Claire Taylor she has not lost her class she doesn't play a heap now but some of her shots were just sublime and you know it was a real it was a real honor to play with her I think I played against her maybe with her in a match way way back but she's not just inspirational on the pitch she's so inspirational off the pitch it's just her her personality I just love how you know she's just um she's very calm and just naturally inspirational you just want to hang around her and absorb anything that she's got to say but what I particularly love about Claire Taylor for me my own personal story is in 2009 at the T20 World Cup at the oval the semi-final I know everybody talks about her one day innings at Lords, but for me what happened was um I'd been down in Taunton for the group stage and it was pretty much myself and Ali Mitchell then we the tournament moved um to the oval for the semi-final and it being England and Australia and being ahead of the men's match all the papers decided to send all of the journalists you know we'll just oh may as well cover the women at this point so they'd not seen women's cricket and many of them wouldn't have seen women's cricket live since the 93 World Cup final when that was under the auspices of, of the WCA. It was in skirts. There was no professionalism, which is not to say there weren't skills because, of course, they were. But, you know, if you think about it, Joe Chamberlain at the time was a truck driver. So, you know, naturally the players didn't have as much um as much just um skills I guess in in the game as as they had now so you can imagine these journalists have come along with this preconception which is fair like you 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 can only go on your knowledge so I sat down and being very easy to wind up they all just turned to me just to wind me up and they said Tomo can the girls hit it off the square so at this point, I saw Karen Rolton coming into bat. Now, at that point, Karen was my club captain while she was also captain of Australia. Um, she was captain at Port Adelaide. And I'd been at the other end a few times and I've never heard a ball rotate so fast as it's gone past my ear. Like, it fizzed. So um, I turned to the guys and I said, I don't know, shall we see? And Karen just smoked this flat six through square leg, which just rocketed into the crowd. And all the press, you could, oh, okay. Now that was pleasing in, in itself. And then Claire came in and masterminded that run chase to the point where Andrew Miller, who was my colleague at Crick Info, he said to me, he said, Jen, that was the best innings of the whole tournament, men or women. And I said, I know. 
And it was that day that shifted everything. It was the beginning of the shift for respect for women's cricket. And it was Claire Taylor who was the star of that day. And I'm getting goosebumps just now just talking about it and remembering it. Because and you were batting with her. She's so inspirational. Sorry? And you were batting with her then? Well, I was I was the other day. Yeah. But the um you know, the day when she changed everything for the media's perception of women's cricket, it was not exactly single handedly her, but it was her feats that day that really stuck in my mind because Jared Kimber, who's now obviously, you know, a famous journalist, he he said he was in the crowd that day and it was that day that inspired him to cover women's cricket to the depth that he now does, you know. So to then play with her on tour this year, it was lovely linkage to the past, if you will, but just in and of itself, she's very inspirational. But again, you know, it's always interesting to me that that era of players, they're not very well known. Um, The tour manager in the MCC who I saw out when I went, they were playing against Austria and Germany and Dresden. Sinead, she said to me, some of the girls in the MCC team don't know that Laura and Claire played for England. I made them Google her, um, both of them, and I made them go and watch YouTubes of them so they know. They just know them as Laura and Claire. That's the longest short answer I've ever had for a short <laughs> fire quiz. No, no, but it was uh, – I can tell how, how much you enjoyed playing with Claire and batting with Claire. Yes, I did. So yeah. we move on to question number eight. Uh, we'll have to keep it a little bit shorter. We've, yeah, we've, got, all, we've got all your stories to come yet. Although I think some yeah. of the stories that I was going to bring up now are no longer stories because we've heard them. Number mm-hmm. eight, your funniest moment on the tour. Oh, Stephen, you can't do that. There's just so many. Um, we'll do a short good one then of, of all those uh, funny moments. Falling flat on my face when I went to bowl in the nets against France the other day. At the ICC World Cup, uh, we're going to come on. We're going to come. We're going to come on to France, so we can leave oh, yeah. it at that for the moment. The next two okay. questions are very brief. How many countries have you visited so far? When I spoke to you before, you'd been to Hong Kong, which is where you started. Cambodia, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam. So how many countries have you been to? You must, you must know. 39. And when will her world cricket tour end? It'll end next August. And I've got an exciting finale already planned. And um, Vanessa and um, Andy from the Barmy Army are going to help me as well. So it's, it's going to be like an 18-month tour in, in the end, or close to that. It will be. Um, I'm going back to Australia to play as much of the season there as possible and write up the first half of the book. And then it kicks off again frenetically from about April to August. And then we're done. 80 countries, done and dusted. 80 countries. Well, anyway, we're going to get on to your stories now. I've got eight Mm -hmm. numbers you're going to pick a number but before we do that i just wanted to ask you we've mentioned about your bowling but how have you managed to keep fit you've mentioned ice baths on the instagram i think what's it like being in an ice bath or had you been in one before no i haven't been in one yet roberta in brazil who i'm going to see soon has threatened me with one so i'm off i've only witnessed other people and they just look cold i mean what i mean obviously what else do you expect but um Poppery in France told me they're really good. And I said, why? And she said, because it's like they're burning you. And I'm like, I don't understand how that's good, but okay. But have you been on the physio's table very much? Or? Not yet. I don't think I work hard enough for that. <laughs> well, let's get on to these stories. And you're going to, you just got to pick a number now. Yeah. There's one to eight. Okay. Um, well, my cricket number has been six. So let's start with six. Oh, number six. I've got to sort my cards out here. This is one we actually spoke to about off air. Uh, This is the Romanian captain, Rebecca Blake, who's got quite a remarkable story because she also played for another country. Yes, she did. Uh, Rebecca is brilliant. She currently lives in England and her mum is from Romania. Uh, Rebecca was born in Bucharest and 
was there till I think she was about nine. And then the family moved to France. She played for France from an early age. But then they moved to England. She moved for her studies. And that rendered her ineligible to play for France anymore as she'd been playing on a residency basis. And then recently, Romania set up a women's team, which was really interesting. And I went over there and had a look at everything that they're doing. It's absolutely fascinating. They've got girls in the next door village to the international ground who play for the team. And I just saw one of them cycling home after the match with her kit bag. And I thought, you know, when you've just won an international match for your country and you're just cycling home. Um, so they, They'd heard, uh, Romania had heard about Rebecca having a Romanian parent and they contacted her and she thought the idea of Romania women playing cricket was so far-fetched. She, she was worried it was a scam to begin with until it proved legitimate. They had a FaceTime with a few other potential players and some of the board and now she's ended up playing for Romania and I got to watch her bat and she just um, smashes her. It was really, really good. So, yeah, she's great. She works um, in um, sport in England now for Solent University where she attended. But she's also really, really involved in Speedway of all things. And um, she was been out in Poland who appear to be the best at Speedway in the world. She said it over in Poland, you know, like, our sports stars, you might see cricketers or, you know, footballers on the buses. She said, over there, it's all Speedway. Everyone's got their favourite Speedway person, player. I don't know. I don't even know the term. Rider. But, Rider. I yeah. Think, yeah. So she's, she's got a busy and interesting life. But she loves her cricket as well in Romania. Brilliant. Love it. Right. That's, that's, that's Romania. What about the next number then? Seven. Seven, seven. Uh, that's Len Goodman. There. Uh, now we're into into Japan now. And yeah. You came across a guest that's been on my podcast in Shizuka Miyagi. Yes. And you were also on the Japanese podcast as well. Yes, with Alan, my old friend from cricket back in the day. So, did you play? You 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 would photoed. Because you sent me a photo with with Shizuka. Did you play with Shizuka? And you did some groundwork there as well. Yes, I had a lovely week in Japan. I'd met Sue in Hong Kong at fair break. And I saw her around the international ground that I spent a few days at during the week, which is in the middle of the sticks. Um, And she was scoring one of the under-22 men's events. And I met her dog. And I met her husband, who is the CEO of Japan Cricket, Alex. So we were more hanging out in a social capacity. And it was, I played with Erica Oda from Japan in Kawasaki. So I had to leave that center to go down on a Saturday night and play a night cricket match, which I'd never done before under lights obviously otherwise that would be a challenge in um on a football pitch so it was very very different conditions out in japan and uh, wherever i go i also like to do some groundskeeping to get a real flavor of um you know the difficulties and the insights um of ground curation itself but the peculiarities of particular places be it you know molehill management or you know scaring away birds or whatever but (laughs) in um i've just been in spain in desert springs and at the beginning of the day i went to speak with alan the new curator there who used to do the um he used to do the grounds at cambridge university when i used to play the county champs there so I didn't know that. I, I thanked him for all his hardware there because they were all his stunning pictures at Cambridge and he's done them really well again in Spain in the desert. And he, he's got this cactus on a spike that he was standing next to. And me with my 
groundskeeper head on her. He's like, oh, what is this for? Is it kind some kind of a ration device? Da, 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 da. And he said, it's literally a decoration. It's a logo. I said, don't. I've got a lot to learn. This was a question about Japan as well. Uh, um, yeah, you get and, everything. Uh, yeah, you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shizuka, of course, played in, in Fairbreak. Yes. She did, yes. Yeah, she did. And she just, you know, what what an experience to have all of that time and observation and playing alongside those just top, top class players. There's no way you can come away from anything like that without so much more knowledge of your own cricket never mind meeting all these people from around the world all the different cultures it's just so unreal it's just so fabulous absolutely love it for you know all of the players it's just a brilliant experience right that's six and seven done you've got another six to go okay one. Oh, number one well number one we We'll have to just pick out a little bit of number one because number one was okay. all about you playing for the MCC yeah. in Chester. And mm-hmm. you came across a regular guest of this podcast, Tina Goff, who's often on the show uh, because we talk about the the women's ashes, the women's cricket, the hundred and things like that. So what was it like playing with Tina? Well, it was really exciting because I think I'm trying to think, this might be the fourth country that I'd caught up with Tina in so um and I didn't know she was in the team so that day was just unreal on so many different levels and wow you know it's so good to watch her off the pitch but it's lovely to play with her I was mid-off for her bowling and and she's spinning at the moment so I was like come on surely everyone called you Tina Turner she's like no no they haven't and then she hits um oh she's such a clean striker of the ball isn't she it's just brilliant um oh and the other thing was she did a warm-up for us and she said there you go that's a Germany warm-up so we've had an international warm-up this morning and you know that things like that are just really really um useful interesting and I hope you know everyone else could take something away from that but Tina well you know because she's a regular guest just Tina's just such a top person she's great energy she's just brilliant you know I just spend a lot of time with her and she's invited me to play in Hamburg next year with her so I'm looking forward to that so does she get angry because she says on she said on the podcast that she's the angry fast bowler Well, she was bowling spin that day, and I'm not sure that if you're uh, spirit of cricketing with the MCC, that uh, that's the place for your anger. I'm not, I'm not, no, it's not. No, no, definitely not. She she played with a huge smile on her face that day. Right. So next number, that's number one then. Two. Number two. Oh, number two. Now, now I don't think you played cricket here, but um, I saw the piece on instagram and facebook about the bears in transylvania did you see any (laughs) no um so i went to transylvania to catch up with cult cricketer pavel florin who happily styles himself as the worst slash slowest fast bowler in the world and um he's he's great he does a lot for promoting cricket in Romania and beyond and his uh, for those who don't know his style of bowling he calls grenades so I said I got to come and see you especially because you're in Transylvania so he said okay um, let's just have a drive around and he wanted to show me this scenic this scenic um, lake and I said hey we could just play here couldn't we and at that point, you know, we're sort of sitting down, like getting ready for the match. And he goes, oh, yeah, I often camp around here. Um, I was like, but are there any scary animals? He said, oh, yeah, there's, you know, bears and wolves and 
all sorts. I was like, you literally camp in this forest and you don't care? And he said, yeah, it's fine. I'm more scared of humans. And I said, oh, yeah, that, that's a fair enough point, I suppose. But, yeah, no, there were no bears. I was I was on bear watch. But also, Pavel said, I said, well, what do you do if you see a bear? I need to be prepared. And Pavel said, well, you don't, um, you don't tackle them. You just make a noise at them. And then he made a kind of growling noise, which, which I'll spare you from uh, reproducing. But I, I was quite happy that we were in the company of a bear grappler, if required. I've heard of you know electric fences for keeping the cows out, but not 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 bears. Uh, right, next question, next number. Uh, three. Oh, three. Well, three. You've you've we, we can still cover three, but you mentioned it. But again, you you came into contact with a former guest on the podcast uh, because you trained with the national team. I think you trained with more more than one national team, but you trained with France and you trained with. Poppy McGowan what was it like training with a national side it was brilliant it was such a great honor to be invited so during the week I was out there with cricket Spain they'd invited me to score at the T20 qualifier and many of the crew on our sort of ground team were uh, our cricket Spain players so we had our own training first which was great and the women are so passionate and, you know, it was great for uh, them to be around this tournament and, you know, because they're not, their ranking's not that dissimilar to France. So just to see where the level is and pick up ideas on how they can be more professional. And then we as a group were invited on the, in inverted commas, rest day optional training day to come and train with the France team, which was lovely because I'd met them in Jersey and um, I'd actually played against Blondine in Sweden and I played against Liddy in Luxembourg. So it was nice to play in a net with all of them all at once. And France is, a, is an amazing story because they qualified to reach the, the stage in Spain having qualified in jersey where you were also you again where you met tina i think in jersey that's where i met tina and um, yeah france topped the group so and, and obviously italy um they came from that group as well and came through to the qualifiers this week which was uh i i'd not seen scotland and netherlands in person before i was absolutely blown away they it was just it was they are they're really impressive. Yeah, you've got more mm. guests of the podcast playing for Scotland because Sarah and Catherine Bryce have both been on the on the show before. Yeah, they both had a great tournament. They're just oh it's so classy. You just know when they come in to bat they're gonna do brilliant things and uh oh, like Catherine's bowling, you know, and oh, Sarah's just she did so many stumping. Again, you know, the value of a wicketkeeper. This is what we're saying. Uh, a good wicketkeeper can really make make a massive, massive difference. So, yeah, they are. They're really impressive. And I also spoke to Abdaha Maksud just at breakfast. And um, I just wanted to ask her a random question. So I said to her, I said, have a really random question. And she said, okay. I said, um, when I was in Scotland, I played a computer game and I, you know, we were Scotland and um, I've literally played cricket as you. <laughs> I said, have you played as you the cricket game? And she said, no, I've not, but I've, um, my friends have. And she said, but I've seen it and I'm just really impressed at how they've got every little last mannerism down. And, you know, I said, what a world we're living in where you can play even a computer game as a woman these days, you know, that I'm still adjusting to this exciting new world. But I also spoke to Ali Mitchell, whose commentary is used on there. And I was like, have you played, have you played that game as yourself? <laughs> She's like, oh, not as yourself, but played it with hearing yourself. She's like, it's very strange. It's very strange. But, you know, again, very cool. 
so yeah, there's Scotland and obviously, uh, you know, Babette the leader and Stara Callas and Heather Seegers. There's so many Netherlands brilliant players. So yeah, it was uh, it was really really good. And as usual, tournament like that played in a played in a very great spirit and lots of generosity between all the players of helping each other as well. So yeah, really good. And I have to commend the ICC and Cricket Spain from seeing it from a you know an internal perspective what goes into organizing the tournament um and you know just the things that crop up along the way and how they get resolved really fast and yeah I think they did think they did a really good job and I just also want to mention tournament director Esther Delanger I'd seen her in Jersey again there and she just She's so good. She's just so calm and sensible and gets everything sorted. So yeah, it was it was it was really brilliant. Well, I'm gonna choose the next number for you, which is you you oh. were gonna say number I can't read my own writing now. Oh, you were gonna say number five, because number five yeah. uh you were scoring at this World Cup qualifying event. Yeah. So, and I remember seeing the Instagram, Facebook, real people must check out your Her World Cricket Tour page. Okay. Um, on a Saturday night, rather than out dancing and drinking, you were doing a very important role. You were watching a scoring tutorial. It's, they're, they're, they're the fun nights on a Saturday, aren't they? Yeah, but you know what? I put that up as if that was something exceptional. I mean, I'm not a real party person anyway, so it that's seriously just actually a typical Saturday night for me. But um, maybe not specifically with the scoring, but maybe just with a good book. So um, yeah, I was I was so happy to be invited to score because I put it on my list of things that I wanted to do during the tour, and basically that list is just anything to do with cricket. And I used to score; I was the first team scorer at, at my club for the men when my brother was playing, when my dad was playing and absolutely love it. And just, you know, the that evocative sound of pulling the tens round and yeah, anyway, and doing all the colours. Love it. And then I hadn't done it for years for various reasons. Uh and then I was invited to be the official tournament scorer. And uh, do you know what? I thought, my goodness, the last time that I did scoring you didn't get an extra run if you ran on a wide. So I was like, I'd better really, really go into this in depth. But funnily enough, even though everything is super, super esoteric, some of the um, scenarios cropped up in the actual game and that in some of the matches. And so it was real. I was so glad that I'd done that extra revision on the little crazy, you know, you know what cricket's like, that, oh, it's weird scenarios. I was like, actually, follow it through logically, this, this, that's a dot, or that doesn't count as a ball, or, you know. But I, I really love scoring, and for me, what is useful is it really concentrates your mind onto the match because um, <laughs> my attention span's not brilliant, but it is when it comes to having to be. And uh, had a really great co-scorer in Jerry. He did the... um. He's from Ireland and he did the um, electronic import. So, yeah, we were a good team and it was really, really fun. And the umpires are brilliant. I learned a lot about umpiring as well. And from their perspective, what's useful for them and, you know, extra additional duties that they have that you're not necessarily aware of. So, yeah, it was really brilliant. Loved it. I think you're right there because I, I I did quite a bit of scoring. But if you played a lot, you tend to watch the game rather than actually score. So you can get distracted and you think, oh, that was a good shot. Um, oh, that was off a wide or that was off a, a no ball and you've forgotten that. And yeah, it's very easy to get distracted. You, you really need to concentrate. But you uh, you've got two left great. now. Two two questions what? left. So you've got number, oh, I don't know what number we've got. Um, number four. And number eight. Yeah. Yep. So which one? Four. 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 Yep. Number four. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, this is um, another one of your reels. What was it like playing night cricket in Austria? 
Oh, that was really fun. Um, so I'd gone out with Priya and Hannah from the Austria team who are just brilliant, brilliant people. And um, just check out their stories. They're really interesting. We haven't got time <laughs> right now. But I said, oh, you know, we haven't played. I'm literally just in Austria passing through. Let's play some cricket. So we were in the city centre and um, there was a street lamp. So we set up and we'd just been discussing how to recruit for cricket. And this guy just wanders through. And um, he said, oh, he, he he had a bottle of Fanta, but I'm not sure he had Fanta in the bottle. He said, oh, his name was Johnny. And Johnny was lovely. And he said, oh, I just want to play cricket. You're, that's cricket, right? I've never played cricket. Can I have a hit? So I said, absolutely. And we showed him how to stand and hit the ball. He's like, oh, this is so much fun. And thank you so much. You've made my dreams come true. I'm thinking on a Monday night in Austria. And um, so he wandered off and you know, we were just laughing. I said, hey, maybe this could be an actual way to recruit for cricket. Because when I was in Croatia, they said in the early days, 20, 20 odd years ago, they um, this was more just for playing. They Because they were playing on sort of concrete football, gravelly, football pitches they had a tepic I think is how you pronounce it um a, a, a carpet essentially um and it was a red one and they rolled it up this is Fedron and his friend um who set up the cricket there and they just rolled this carpet up drove it round Zagreb in the back of a car and then they would pick a spot and go and like unroll the carpet out and start to play but it was such a curiosity I think they picked up a few players because they would always have a huge um, spectatorship because what what is this random thing? And I've heard in Namibia they have a van and they just um, they just drive around the country and just set up quick cricket in in villages and they recruit a lot of people that way. I think you know it's always interesting to see something like cricket in a non-cricket country because it always draws the curiosity of people specifically in Vienna on a Monday night as it happened yeah and obviously when you you go out on a night in Vienna you take your bat and ball with you don't you it's just uh, second nature really (laughs) well you know that I don't really go out much so you know I'm more always prepared for a cricket opportunity than the a night out i think well the last number is number eight we're gonna have put have to put this into two parts yeah. so this is the last part okay. of part one of uh, my podcast with uh, jenny thompson and i want you to tell me about the captain of the papua new guinea team uh, she had a very good story yes kaya kaya um well her mum first of all was um Papua New Guinea's first wicketkeeper in their first match ever, their first recorded match. And I went to the village, Hanawabada, in Papua New Guinea, which supplies the vast majority of the men's and women's international cricket teams, and also a few Olympic weightlifters, which uh, is very curious, and I love that story. Um, So... The reason why they're so good at cricket is they just play street cricket all day long from dawn to dusk. And I managed to um, be invited to get to the village I was invited in. And it was so wonderful. I just had such a great time with everyone. So I met Kaya's mum, Bonnie. And um, yeah, she's so placid, lovely, chilled. And then I asked her about her cricket and she said, Oh, it was so exciting. We thrashed Japan 3-1 in that first um, series, sorry, 3-0, and she, she just got very, very animated. And then she said, oh, but now I have to look after Kaya's children um, when Kaya goes on tour, so I'm a lot more mellow. Um, and then Kaya herself, yes, is um, the captain now of PNG, and she's one of seven mothers in the team, which I think is very, very inspirational. And I asked the team how they manage 
that with their international duties and they're all professionals they all train five days a week and they said literally everybody in the family helps out so you can have 20 people living in a house and the women's wages from cricket go to the whole family so while they're relatively well paid in Papua New Guinea they're still providing for 20 people so even then the money doesn't quite stretch um so um yeah so Kaya got to play at Fairbreak and um her performance fee there enabled her to buy a house in the village outright which she's called Fairbreak and I got to see the house it was it's very very cool but I'm not this is in no way to underestimate how hard it is to be uh well I think a woman in Papua New Guinea but a cricketer because um regardless of the fact that you're an international athlete you're still culturally expected as a woman to look after the whole family make all the food before you go to your daily training go to training come back do all the laundry the dishes with no electronic convenience that's all by hand then make all the food and look after all the children it's just non-stop it's absolutely exhausting I said how do you do it and they said well sometimes we just can't we just stop and people have to help us so you know it's it's uh it's quite a hard life but I actually might have Kaya coming to stay with me this summer for um she's looking at playing uh, at a club in Adelaide um so she yeah she might be coming to stay with me so um yeah that could be fun we'll just have to see on that one but yeah she's it's 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 very 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 interesting and those the women of PNG and many many other countries and club teams and all sorts just are so inspirational I'm just meeting so many inspirational women and men doing lots of great work in um volunteer spaces so you know I'm constantly constantly inspired by everything that I'm seeing around the world well thanks for sharing that that's a good good part or a good uh point to end part one of our podcast with Jenny Thompson provisionally we were going to only have one part but uh has so many amazing stories there, Jenny. Uh, thanks for joining me on part one. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Sports Social Podcast Network.